1: Stinson is a legendary musician Who currently resides in upstate New York Originally from Minneapolis Stinson is a founding member of the Replacements and went on to form bands Like Bash and Pop and Perfect as well as joining Soul Asylum and Guns N' Roses Though Bash and Pop broke up In 1994 after releasing An LP called Friday Night Is Killing Me in 1993 Stinson has just reactivated The moniker for an excellent And spirited new record called anything could happen and bash and pop are touring around the world over the next few months in a huge honor for me tommy stinson and i just had a conversation recently about politics bash and pop paul westerberg and the replacements axl rose and guns N' roses and a whole lot more sponsored by the bookshelf pizza trocadero and planet bean coffee here's myself and the great tommy stinson on creative control Hey, Tommy, how you doing? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's a big thrill.
2: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Now, I have a lots of things I want to talk to you about in terms of Bash and Pop, and the, new, the record is great, anything could happen, and all sorts of stuff. But I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up something that I think some people listening are probably curious about, because you were supposed to be on an episode of The Best Show recently.
2: Yeah, you know what? That got screwed up in a very peculiar way, and I uh, really can't explain exactly what happened, except that, uh, yeah, I tried to find the place. We were going into Jersey, and I didn't have the phone number for them. So, and I'll, I'll tell you, and they don't even know this yet. I haven't had a chance to explain this to them yet, because it, it happened the other day, and I just was like... I fired everyone that worked for me because I was like, "Holy crap, you guys! Like, it's it's you know, give me a phone number, give me something." So, yeah. um, <laughs> I was trying to find the place, and all of coming from Manhattan to New Jersey to get into Jersey City, our GPSs—we had two of them going. Both of them freaked out because there's so much major construction going on. Getting out of there, so we ended up in a really bad neighborhood, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me what the hell was happening and we, we ended up we ended up in this place where literally there's like barbed wire fences around people's houses and stuff it was just completely like i don't know armageddon looking and i thought i was at the right address but i didn't have a phone number couldn't call them. so by the time by the time it took for me to go you know what this is really kind of a sketchy neighborhood i don't know who to call we're just going to have to go because it was like, it was, it was weird. And don't think I was in the right place. I don't think I was at all. And by the time I got the phone number, I was already halfway back to Philadelphia. And I just, one of those things, stuff happens like that once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know those guys are pretty bummed out at me and I'm, I'm sure they just think I'm horrible. I tried my best. I couldn't get there. It didn't work out. Hopefully they'll come around to, you know, You know, having me back when it, when I can figure out where the hell it is. (laughs) Well,
1: I appreciate the explanation. I didn't know what had happened. I just, did you happen to hear the podcast version of the show that you missed?
2: No, no, because we were, we were back on the 95 freeway, you know, halfway back to Philly before I even knew what the hell was going on with it. I mean, we literally tried to find this place for like an hour and, or not even an hour, it's like 45 minutes or so. We got so lost and screwed up. We we're like, just, let's, we got to get out of here because, you know, <laughs> the neighborhood was not good, and uh, yeah, it so, was weird. I'm sure that was not where they were at. i mean I'm just sure, but I, I had no way to find out because I don't have a phone
1: number. Right. So you're hoping to be on the show at some point.
2: You know what? I'll figure it out. I mean, I, I can't. You know, I can't. I can only do what I can do. They don't really know what happened because I haven't had a chance to call <laughs> <Right>. them yet. <laughs> Um, so they'll probably hear it from you first.
1: <laughs> well, I have to say, for what it's worth, it, it yielded one of the funniest bits of radio I've ever heard, because <laughs> Tom Tom was was upset and irritated, and he was on fire. It was just one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I I you know I apologize it's some. On some level, it's to your expense, but it was it was a it was great radio, and uh, yeah. So I hope you do get to go back on the show. Anyway, thanks for clarifying that because I know some people listening would be curious as to what happened.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I can't really worry about it. I mean, if he if he you know had some fun at my expense because I couldn't find the place and didn't have it all hooked up on my end. That's, I guess that's my people's fault, my fault, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Okay, it happens. Shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> so where where are you
1: right now? Where where am I calling? I'm in Hudson, New York. Hudson, New York, and what is Hudson, New York like?
2: Well, it's a it's a little uh, it's a little strange little community um, two hours north of Manhattan. Um, it's a little uh, sort of um, gay art community, really sort of microcosm of the melting pot theory, if you know what that's all about. Sure, I'm aware um, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just kind of a cool little spot. That's really, you know, I moved up here five years ago met some really great people and just fell in love with it it's you know having grown up an inner city kid that i did um and not really um you know liking the suburbs a whole lot this is kind of gives you a bit of both yeah what, are you uh, in like New Paltz area Woodstock? No north north of that north of that Oh, okay Where, um, yeah if you go if you go if you're coming from Manhattan on the train back to say Montreal or even you know Niagara Falls you, you're gonna get off just past like Rhinebeck okay okay yeah all right okay Niagara. cool and
1: and, yeah. and you're liking it you're after the big city life it's nice to to be in a relatively small town.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's close enough to whatever you know, whenever you need. If you got to go to the city or whatever.
1: Yeah, and and are you? I don't know where you stand on any of of these things, but I am asking Americans what it's like living in Donald Trump's America. What has that been like for you?
2: Um, it's been like me a whole lot of looking at real estate in South America, <laughs> and Europe, and even Canada, because um, I find I find him totally repugnant and and uh scary and i i don't really feel like i should be spending my tax dollars footing the bill for the crap he's trying to propose
1: now a lot of americans have made some you know they've implied they might be thinking of leaving how serious are you you're really looking
2: well i am i am actually and and i think that my only problem i do have is i have a nine-year-old that goes to schools up here um in hudson new york and and I like the school system up here. Great. It's working out fine. We're going to have to figure it out when we get to the high school level because it's um, there's a lot of work still to be done to make it, you know, as good as it should be. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, aside from that, like, I'm just going to hold on for a minute and see just how bad it gets before I pull the trigger and actually get up and out.
1: Hmm. Wow. So it's, it's, I mean, you're, you sound like you live, you described Hudson as a gay art community. Are you somewhat insulated from the reality of living in Trump's America?
2: Um, well, no, because I got all my friends, <laughs> gay and otherwise, um, every color spectrum on the damn spectrum. And um, we live here in this little, you know, Columbia County the sort of the downtown area of Hudson is all you know normal people and the on the and you get you know a little bit outside of town and you have crazy people and rednecks and sort of you know scary people that you know that think that it makes a lot of sense to start you know you know doing random you know random picking up of you know possible legal aliens and locking them up because oh they could be they could be. Those could be radical Muslims living in your basement. I mean, they're just they're the thought processes of some of these people. is yeah. absolutely fucking bananas. Yeah. And so it's weird to live, you know, it's and it's funny, you can kind of feel them when they come into town because they have this whole thing of like, yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a bunker in my backyard just in case it all goes down. I mean, it's that kind of mentality of like people that really think like, and that but that bought the whole, trump line i mean they just think that like heck the whole world's going down a handbasket and you got to be careful those radical muslims are you know everywhere and they're yeah. going to kill us all it's like well no you're kind of stupid and you're not really paying attention to what's really happening in the world and it's uninformed it's people that just they just want something to jump on because they just don't know any better it's it's kind of sad actually it's like sort of a i mean it's 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 and you heard you heard when Trump was going off about it in his uh you know, in his campaign to win the presidency. He's like, I love stupid people. I mean mm-hmm. just, you know, he I think he actually and I'm not I don't think I'm misquoting here. I think at some point he actually said, I like stupid people. I like illiterate people. And it's like, Well, we're, our point and our and our and our goal in life is to make illiterate people smarter and so that, you know, we're a better place rather than playing on their weakness of being not, you know you know, worldly or well educated or whatnot, you know.
1: Well some people have expressed some surprise that these kinds of sentiments exist in America. Are you surprised that this has not only that they exist, but have taken hold that they're coming to pass, that, that there seems to be a legislative power behind what Bannon and Trump are doing. I mean it's it's pretty nuts. It, it
2: is it is remarkable and 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 i i my my thinking is this is that and I, and it keeps and my friends and i we talk about this stuff all the time it's become and it, you know here in the states the 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 best thing that can come out of all of this is that it's got people that normally wouldn't be paying attention really paying attention you're whether you're far right or far left i mean it's whatever it is there is a major major political thing happening here now that, you know, was kind of dormant probably for a long, long time, but it's going to erupt. And my feeling is that it's going to erupt in a way that these guys are going to push and push and push and push until they do something that actually offends their base. And, and it could and it's going to be major what it is. I mean, and it, and it could be something like, um, you know, lifting sanctions on Russia and having having all the, you know, far right wingers going, wait a second we don't like that guy. We don't want nothing to do with Russia and we don't like communism and we don't like this. We don't like that. So what is, and then he's going to go down the line. And I think that, I think, um, as you get into it, I mean, I mean, if you, if you look, I mean, if you look, you know, it's, it seems kind of, it seems fair to say that I think Putin would like to see, uh, Russia go back to the way they were, you know, when they're one big ugly mess. But, Mm -hmm. um, I think that people are going to have a hard time with that, hopefully. And if they don't, boy, that's going to be troubling because that opens a whole door of just, you know, rape and pillage. And I think these guys are already at it. They're already, you know, they're already trying to find ways to, you know, line the pockets of their coffers. And, you know, they've done it. And you know donald trump's gotten out of having to pay his taxes and gotten out of you know haven't even revealed like what ties he actually does have to russia and it's gonna be it's gonna be his achilles heel i think
1: well we i think people were are not that surprised by some of the protesting that's happened happening left of the spectrum but have you seen these videos of these town hall confrontations
2: where i've seen a little bit of it i've tried to be honest with you i've um it's become so cacophonous as of lately. I just yeah. had to. I've had to kind of shut my brain off a little bit once in a while to kind of. There's, you know, in the course of my day, I've got a nine year old that I that I have, you know, that lives that lives with me full time, and it's my daughter, and I really don't have time to sit around and get so wrapped up in it so much. Mm-hmm. I check it out in the morning, and then I have to get up my day and do stuff, you know, do laundry and all the crap that you got to do when you're a single parent and all that. Um, but you know. The real, the realistic thing about it is that it's 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 loud. I mean, it's it's pretty nuts, and you uh, know, my hope is that they get caught. They're gonna they're gonna yeah. get their hand caught in the cookie jar, and I think it's gonna be bigger than Watergate ever was.
1: I mean, I've talked to some Muslim parents who've tried to explain the situation to their. To their kids, and I, I have a five-year-old boy and a, and a two-year-old daughter, and it's my son is aware of this man, Donald Trump, and what's happening. Have you had to have a, a sit down with your daughter about what's going on?
2: My daughter hates the orange man. <laughs> she hates. <laughs> she's, um, and and uh, you know when she hears about certain things, it's, it's the only time I let her swear. Right, <laughs> it's like how do you really feel about that guy? <laughs> yeah, like, I hate that f that f that mother effer as she calls him, you know
1: <laughs> you know it's it's funny, I've told this story on the show before, and i've I told it to Bob Mayer when he was on the show, we were talking yeah. about the the Trouble boys book uh since my son was uh, was two years old, every single night, and this is still true, every single night, I sing him songs, and every single night since he's he's been two and discovered the the, the record Tim. I've I've sung Bastards of Young to him every night, oh, and, he, good. and he sings it as well. He He's a massive Replacements fan, uh, <laughs> and that song in particular, it resonates with him. And And I realized, you know, we started to go to the parent-teacher things, just the, you know, he's only in kindergarten, but they they want to meet with you, and they're like, your son has very interesting musical tastes. He keeps asking for a song called Bastards of Young, and I'm like, oh, no. Right. So, <laughs> just teaching <laughs> that is gateway to his first curse. Is uh, the replacement. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good one.
1: It's true. Anyway, the kids thing—it's it, complicated. It's all very complicated. But it sounds like you're you're figuring out a way to negotiate all of this with your, with your and your child seems to have a good perspective on things.
2: Yeah, I mean, she can't help it. I mean, we all of our friends have kids, and all of our friends are you know politically motivated one of her best friends is actually the mother of the mother of the kids she hangs out was actually the mayor of hudson oh okay. so so we're all very kind of in tune with what's going on and up here in our little our little hovel it's uh, it gets pretty heated and ugly in a local kind of way yeah okay well in, in a good way or well you know it, it's, it's good that people are talking about it nothing's gotten violent um we do have you know I'll be honest with you, I heard she signed an executive order yesterday to compel the police department to not be assisting ICE and rounding up oh, immigrants. Great. She said, Nope, you can't do it. Do it and you're fired. I mean, that she has the ability to do it, I guess. So, you know, however that works out, I mean I I I think it's deplorable that they that there's even a notion that you could just run around and do sort of, you know, just randomly grabbing people and you know uh, doing some sort of like profiling just just i mean it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't it's not it's not at all going to fix anything and the idea that they're they're go there it's not even a it's not even a fully formed idea like what are we looking for? Are you looking for illegal immigrants that are just Mexicans or are you looking for illegal immigrants that are Radical Muslims that are supposedly going to be terrorists. I mean, they're not even. It doesn't even make any sense. It's like, well, this is where we are. Let's, you know, we just have you know immigration reform. is, is a fine, a fine thought, in it. But, but you don't go, you don't go backwards to forwards. I mean, you can't. It doesn't make any sense. There's no way to do it, and to have people doing racial profiling and all that, especially just. Just just the way it 's rolled out it is just it's deplorable yeah i don't yeah. I, I, don't, I don't I can't deal with it
1: well, it sounds like you like you say it's it's hard to deal with, and it's maybe tempting to leave and uh i mean, very tempting
2: to leave when you when you start when you start noticing like that kind of thing happening like in your little bitty neighborhood i mean we have sixty five hundred year round residents in the town of Hudson, mm-hmm. really, and you know the people come up from the city on the weekends and it's kind of it's got this destination, you know, uh, you know, star for like, in you know, all the you know magazines and the places that say, "Oh, you should go check out this place; it's really great for this and that and the other thing." It it it's really it's really hard to imagine these goddamn people are running around these ice people, these these people that are rounding up illegal immigrants. They're going from fucking door front to door front, like grabbing people like off the street. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. how does that make sense? Anywhere in the world, that wouldn't make sense. But it's happening. It's fucking happening here.
1: I know that the the songs on Anything Could Happen span a long time. I mean, I think one of the earliest songs is almost 20 years old, right?
2: Older than that. Um, shortcut, I think I wrote that. Jeez, I must have wrote that like in maybe ninety one or something yeah it was it was a little bit later than that but okay. right around the time I moved right around the time I think I moved to l a which was around ninety three okay, okay. Around a while,
1: yeah well the reason I bring it up beyond uh trying to segue into a discussion of your of your record uh do you find that the atmosphere that you're that you're describing living in America has it permeated your songwriting has it permeated you as a, an
2: artist oh absolutely I mean it i, I I'm, i I'll tell you. I'm not one of those people that sits around and writes about any one thing in particular. And so, a lot of about half the songs on the record are very locally motivated for me. Because um, a few years a few years back, I, I was in a particularly dry writing p- point, and I just felt like I needed to get out of my head and break out of you know getting ready to get divorced, all this crap, and. I, I I hadn't written anything in a while and I was like, I gotta do something. And so I started going I started compelling myself to write at least at the very minimum one song a week to go to open mic night at Helsinki it was play at the local club here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, where I saw John Doe play last night and had breakfast with him today. And by the way, one of my favorite people on the planet, by the way. Oh nice. Just so you know, John yeah, Doe absolutely, was yeah. one of the most decent gentlemen you'll ever meet. But um so so I had I made myself go write – one song a week and, and it, and I did it for like six, eight weeks. And that's where the first half of this record came from, but it's all sort of, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, divorce music per se. There's some of that I suppose, in there, but, you know, it has to do with a lot of things going on up here and a lot of, you know, the local stuff that's happening. It's, you know, it's sort of a, you know, that kind of thing, a, kind of a, not really a hometown record, I suppose, but yeah, it started there, you know? Yeah. And, uh,
1: and so you're saying local politics might have gotten in there.
2: Local politics definitely play into that. I mean, I, I got I got all kinds of friends up here from all over the place that um, you know are dealing with life in a certain way, one way or the other, good or bad, um, and you can't help but think about them. I mean, they're when you know, lucky for me, lucky for me, I, I've got I've got you know a, a fair amount of really good friends in in the world, but I have you know in Hudson here, I got a you know a good. Good-sized handful of people that are important to me that I, you know, we're all in part of our lives for the better or worse of it all, and uh, you can't help but you know think about those things and all that stuff plays into my music. I, I couldn't lie about. It. I can't pretend that it doesn't.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, even as a as a title, anything could happen has a, a philosophical bend to it. It is. It sounds optimistic. It sounds like going with the flow. You know, it sounds like letting go a little bit too. Does yeah. that does that phrase? obviously that phrase means something to you you've given it you've given your record the title but what what does that sentiment mean to you
2: exactly how you just described it i mean it is hopeful it comes on the heels of a lot of sadness and and you know despair and um things that happen in life that i hope don't get repeated yeah um for either me or some of my friends that you know i've taken some of their little bits of their life story and integrated into these songs. Um, there's a lot of that, and um, and, and the, the record. I, but you you described it well. I mean, a friend of mine, another friend of mine, um, Peter Jesperson, actually, he uh, hmm. you know he signed the replacements when I was you know still in diapers, basically. But, yeah, of course. But um, he uh, he kind of described it in pretty much the same way. It's like there's a lot of Sadness and stuff and, and despair in there, but I, I try to I try to make it you know hopeful because I guess when I'm writing, my hope is that I can turn the negative shit <laughs> into positive stuff, you know. And that's where I guess you get bad news from that song. I mean, that's kind of that's yeah. the sentiment behind that.
1: I mean, it, it, the the phrase again is born of experience too, right? I mean, you know from your life experience that anything is possible and anything. Anything can happen. Anything <laughs> good or bad. Like that's just the way we're life
2: gonna, is. We're gonna pummel this title right in the ground, <laughs> aren't we? Um, no, you're right. You're you know, you're right. I mean that's that's kind of the, the whole moral of the story. Yeah. Anything can happen. It can and you know, you gotta be ready for it. you mentioned
1: uh, a song there, but I wanna mention another called uh Unfuck You because biologically I'm just curious. How does unfucking work exactly? You,
2: if you if we could find a way to do it, I'm sure we'd all have a few that we'd like to. Un-
0: <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
1: Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST.
2: And fuck, and I'm sure uh, we could go on for, you know, we could have a couple drinks and talk about that one. but But the reality of it is, is there, you know... There are mistakes we make and boy if we could you know, if we could actually <laughs> undo them we would, as they say. But uh I was I was surprised to find that I seemingly was the only one or the first one to write a song about unfucking someone.
1: I've never heard that phrase before.
2: Did you coin that you know? phrase?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man. Really? I, <laughs> I, I I I saw a shirt that had it on a while before I wrote the song. I was like, "That's fucking genius," you know. I really thought that was, you know.
1: I'm kind of a square, you know. I just haven't heard, I <laughs> haven't heard anyone say, uh, "Man, I'd really like to unfuck that person." I just haven't heard that before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, now you know.
1: Yeah. you you in the song you. I have a few. <laughs> but it's a, is this an angry record as well? I mean, we've talked about the optimism. There, there is some rage in here.
2: There's, yeah, I mean, you know, I, the, <laughs> everything is well represented if you really <laughs> want to go down that road, but uh, I try to stay out of the particulars, if you
1: know what I mean. It's therapeutic for you, I assume, that getting these songs off you. Get, I, God I mean, damn it, of course it is, man. Yeah. <laughs> it helps.
2: Don't it, piss it, me off now.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, you're going to un-interview me, me somehow is what... It's gonna happen. You're just gonna undo it all, Tommy. I don't want. To, I don't want that to happen.
2: That would be fucking funny. I was like, ah, I did an interview with someone. I don't really like the way that turned out, and I just pushed a little button, and suddenly the whole thing just goes into the, you know, the nether regions of, you know, outer space yeah. and's gone forever. That would be funny. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really like that guy. Zzz, there it's done. I hope okay, this doesn't
1: I'll happen. I hope you don't <laughs> figure out how, a way to invent such a thing before the end of our talk here.
2: I'm gonna look for the interview zap button.
1: <laughs> Bash and Pop has an interesting trajectory. Just as a moniker, you've done a lot of things. You've been in a lot of bands since the replacements disbanded. Bash and Pop was—I think—was it the first thing you did?
2: Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: A-
1: and it lasted a little bit. You put out a record, and then you—and then you did other stuff. Why bring the moniker back at this point?
2: um you know basically because i I'd, I'd made a band record, I made a live kind of band record like i had' i'd tried to do with the first fashion pop record yeah and in saying that it's like you know four or five guys in a studio playing together, recording live, not overthinking and just trying to get the best the best version of a song that you wrote out and I tried to do it the first record, and I fell a little bit short. And um, although people seem to really like that record a whole lot, yeah, um yeah. that was kind of what this this record ended up becoming. And you know, I, I took a took my cue from it from making records in the '80s. I mean, that's how we used to do it back in the day. And you know, we didn't have a lot of money to sit and tinker around in the early days, and just had to kind of go in the studio with a song in hand and barely had time to flesh it out or you know, try to flesh it out, but not too much. And you try and get, you know, try and capture the lightning in a bottle. It doesn't always work. Yeah. There's a, there's a good handful of songs that didn't make it on this record that are close that I'll use in another record. But um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a whole process of doing it that we used to do, you know, that I grew up doing. And I think I grew up doing that in the 80s with you know the replacements and all that just like the records that you've probably got in your record collection that still mean a whole lot to you whether it's a you know the Rolling stones or the fucking beatles or whatever yeah a lot of those a lot of your favorite records the real good ones from back in the day those were done live mostly one way or the other and you can hear it you can feel the magic here you know and you know they're not a whole lot of you know you can't really fake that part yeah, I just kind of got to have... You're going to hear a loud CSX train go by yeah. my house here in a second. I, hear it, right on the I tracks. can
1: hear it rumbling down the tracks right now.
2: That's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. Uh, well, this is my uh, 1230. You're not going to catch actually,
1: this train, are you? You're, you're not getting I, on the I, train.
2: No, no, no. i got to wait for the boxcars to get put on. It's uh, <laughs> Basically, it, it's going to pick up the boxcars to bring them up to... Uh, you know, the place where they pick up the grain and all that stuff. Oh, I see. And then okay. they bring it, to, and then they go down the, down by the river, and they take that to either Canada or, you know, south. Oh, cool.
1: So that train might be headed my way. That's exciting.
2: It, it probably will be. The, the cars on the back of it will probably be within an hour. Oh, cool. It comes twice. It comes twice. It, it, it makes two passes every few hours. I get maybe four passes a day. You know, it comes up and down and, you know. Picks up the load and brings to wherever.
1: Yeah, we have a bunch of those freight trains that run through. The, I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario, and uh, I, right. s- I see those freight trains. So who know? You know, it's entirely possible you and I might see the same train within 24 hours. I bet. I bet
2: it's possible. <laughs> I see a lot of cars in the back of these things, destined for Canada. Sweet.
3: All
1: right, I'm going to keep yeah. an eye. Out. I'm going to keep an eye after that. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to ask about the band, about Bash and Pop is that I, w- one of the things that strikes me is that you have, you're very confident about your aesthetic. You're very confident about your sound. You know your sound. You know, rock and roll has changed a lot. The way we value rock and roll has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Has yep. that, does that give you pause ever when you're... You know, you, I mean, I think you know what you like, and I think you know what you're good at, and that's, that comes across. But have you, are you ever in doubt about making rock music in this day and age?
2: No. No, and you're right, and, and because I don't care. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, really, really comes right down to it. I've been doing this for so long, and I've gone through the, I've gone through the, uh, been put through the paces of trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to sell records, trying to do this to, you know, be a rock star stuff when I was a kid, and it was, it all left me, you know, in a place of uh, dissatisfaction. So now, you know, I'm, I'm fucking lucky to be still doing it and still be able to eke a living out of it so you know i i don't really ponder these things and worry about it. it's like i do what i do if 10 people show up or ten thousand show up i'm playing the same show anyway yeah and whether i sell another fucking record or not doesn't really matter because i'm always going to do it right okay there's no getting around it
1: that's a good philosophy to have i mean you one of the things that uh, I don't think I've ever really gotten a straight answer based on interviews and stuff I've, I've read is is the seemingly the end of The Replacements again, the final show. Do you have any—what what actually happened that night? What happened that day of the final replacement show?
2: Which one? <laughs> there was the rumor—by
1: the way, I went to the Toronto show, uh, the Riot right. Fest show. Unbelievable. That was like a, a great day. The spirit and the crowd, was that—do you have a sense, memory of that show?
2: Fuck, that was magical. I loved that. Was a, that was my favorite show of the whole fucking day.
1: It was amazing. Like, just the spirit and the crowd. Like, to have that... Like, I, everyone was in tears and, and laughing, and it was amazing to be a part of that audience and, and being swirled yeah. around. Anyway... No, the final one I'm thinking of... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to... You don't want to accept the fact that it was a magical moment. Is that what you're saying?
2: No, no, it was. I mean, it was. I, I'll be honest with you. We 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 had a really good run on that trip. And again, we didn't we didn't break up. We just kinda of walked away from it. I mean, it was kind of a little bit goofier this time because I guess Paul had some some things he wasn't happy about and put it on a shirt. I don't know what the fuck that all was about. It's kinda of weird, but, <laughs> you, you know, but ultimately ultimately we had fun, we did it, people were happy. Um you know you know, will we ever do it again? Probably not, but you know, I've said that before, I suppose.
1: Yeah, you still don't have a read on Paul, do you?
2: No, I got a read on. Okay. I think I pretty much know what the what the fuck he's all about. Um, (laughs) um, and I'm sure he could say the same about me. And and that's why we are drawn to each other, and that's why we also repel each other. And that's just that. Yeah. There's no getting around it. It's sort of like, it's like, look, we grew up. We grew up as brothers, prac. You know, for the for all practical purposes the four of us even though my brother bob was actually my brother chris and paul were also like brothers to me there was like okay the four of us against the world kind of thing in a way yeah and you know you love and you hate your brothers i mean it's just the way it is there's no uh mincing those words or those sentiments or you know pretending that both don't exist you know coexist you know at the same time.
1: Yeah, this just seemed like there was, you know, there were rumors of a record that w- was going to be made, and it just seemed more promising this time.
2: Yeah, well, maybe another time.
1: <laughs> okay, that's that. That's fair. Some of the songs that you worked on towards a new Replacements album, my understanding is they made it onto this record, right? The, the Bash and
2: Pop record. Yeah, a couple of them. Good uh, two or three of them, probably. Yeah. And- we tried to record. It didn't work out. Um, anybody else was one of the songs that we did. Um, I think we did a song that didn't even make it on this record called "Cut and Run." There might have been another one. I can I'm just blanking on the title of it.
1: When you say you worked um, on them for the record, like, are they collaborative? Or are they?
2: Are they you and Paul? You no, know, no. It's like Paul. You know, Paul brought a couple things that you know we we kind of did in a sort of funny way and then you know i busted out a couple and we recorded those and none of it ended up amounting to a hill of beans so we hmm. fucking walked away from it and for whatever reason it didn't work out
1: right and and are you someone like you know you grew up with paul paul is a brother like you say when you come up with songs do you have conversations with them about your work do you guys communicate about what you're up to
2: Nah, we you know we 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 <laughs> not at all. When, I, when we actually talk on the phone, we talk about you know trimming hedges, mowing lawns, you know shoveling snow. What a pain in the ass this or that is. We don't really even get into it when we're together with instruments in hand. It's another thing, and it's not it's not even a spoken thing. It's just like we just play, mm-hmm. and that's what we're good at. We're we're great at doing that together. We're not really great at any of the other aspects of being in a band together. And we we, we play well together. And um, the rest of it's kind of a, you know, pile of crap. Do you know
1: how he's doing? Have you talked to him lately?
2: I don't. I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> honest, I don't really know.
1: That's how brothers are sometimes. You don't yeah, talk for a while. Yeah, Exactly. We haven't talked to, at all about Guns N' Roses. I know I've read that you are happy that the the most of the original lineup is is out and playing and and it was a bit of a relief for you because you were you were getting busy right you couldn't make all the shows.
2: Well, it was it's actually more of a it's it's actually kind of a, a not quite that cut and dry. What ended up happening is that we were touring and playing and you know supporting Chinese democracy and all that stuff for a bunch of years and my personal life, you know, with divorce and, you know, a kid and all this stuff going on, I really wasn't able to tour anymore for a while. I had to kind of, I had to turn them down a good handful of times because of my personal situation was, was dire and I had to deal with it and going away and touring for a month wasn't going to work. So I, after doing that for a few times, you know, dude's got to work and I mean, he's, you know, Axel, like any other musician, he's a working musician. He's got to get out and fucking play and yeah. do his thing. And I think I was my my deal at home here was becoming a hindrance on that. And and uh, you know, I'm glad he figured it out and just did did what he had to do. And they're having a ball. They're fucking playing all over the world in front of more people than they've ever played to. And you know, it's it's a good thing. It's a, and all, and a bunch of my friends are still in that crew that band you know the only one i don't really know is slash which is no big deal here or there Mm -hmm. um i just don't remember ever meeting him which is saying that i don't know that i did or didn't i don't remember (laughs) ever meeting if you know what i'm saying sure so um um you know they're they're and i saw him twice they were fucking having a great time they Put on a great show, and it's like cool, great. I'm glad everyone's ha- everyone's happy after all these years and doing their thing. It's well, great.
1: that's nice to hear that you actually went to see them. That's what I was wondering. You actually went and checked it out, and it was great.
2: Yeah, I went and saw them in Kansas, and I saw them um, in Philly, that's... and they were they were great. It was it was a it was a great thing to see. If you know anything about the background, I know probably you know I only know one side of that background from from being with Axel for so many years. What it means to me, and I can only imagine it meant to him and why it's going and that it's going so good is a huge testament to um you know, people growing up and evolving and yeah. uh you know um you know get, you know finding peace Uh, one way or the other. And it's a good thing. It's no, I mean, Paul and I never broke up or had the fucking drag down bullshit that those guys had, but it makes their, their reunion, um, a whole lot more special because of that. And it's, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, to ever, you know, been a part of that.
1: You, you really like Axel. I mean, we, we don't know much about Axel. We just know what we read and it's all, who knows if it's true or not. He's a good guy.
2: He's a great guy and he's, you know, all the shit you've heard or read about him is, you know, it's part of the myth, part of the legend. And then um, he's got a heart of gold and no, he ain't the easiest person on the planet, but he's a fucking beautiful man. He says a lot of really, I mean, he's, like I said, I'm grateful that I fucking had the time to fucking play with him and all that stuff. And we had our time together and, and that. Yeah. No, it's it's I it's, spent more time with him than I spent with Paul Westerberg. I mean, I mean for fuck's sake. I mean talk about knowing a guy. Is that know. right?
1: Yeah, 98 to to 2016. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. never even thought of that. I just assume your bond with Paul is unbreakable, an unbreakable bond.
2: Uh you know, I'll tell you what. I I have a bond with Axel too. It's unbreakable. It's just different and he's doing his thing. Yeah. And uh I know I know, you know, we know our import each other one way or the other and whether that's you know done or not is whatever but yeah. you know we, we we did our time and you know uh, I have nothing to say bad about
1: it <laughs> that's good that's fine I mean that that's awesome uh, Bash and Pop is about to hit the road right?
2: yeah we leave we leave on um shit i leave sunday for another new jersey trip god i hope i can find this place this time <laughs> um yeah i sorry i don't mean to and, laugh but that's dude, funny you, dude I'm, I'm i'm telling you it was i mean i had a fucking whole day of interviews in manhattan and last thing i wanted to be doing at nine o'clock at fucking night was fucking getting lost in fucking jersey yeah i don't like I, the, I, the state's not my favorite um for a lot of reasons it's but to get lost trying to find something for so long and then not to be able to get there and then getting lambasted after because I couldn't figure it out. And, it, you know, it just makes me look bad, which I'm fine with. I've, I've looked good. I've looked bad. It don't matter to me. I really give a shit. But, but, um, yeah. I'm not really looking forward to trying to find another place off that fucking turnpike. And I can't, I'm coming from the same fucking direction. Okay. <laughs> it's going to suck.
1: Well, I wish you had the best of luck trying to find that place. You've got, uh, you've got a lot of tour dates coming up. Is that right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, we start, we start in Seattle on, on Tuesday, next Tuesday, the 28th, and we run through South by Southwest. Then we take a little break, and then we go to Europe. We got some Green Day. We got a Green Day, you know, festival we're playing over there and stuff, and, you know, just doing, just keeping it moving. Are See you... if we can't, uh, you know, conquer the earth.
1: <laughs> Aside from potentially moving here, do you plan to come back to Canada to play some shows?
2: uh as long as you guys lower your taxes on poor slubs like me, Christ <laughs>
1: yeah I think they might have done that they actually did do something about that there was some legislation so. passed about that so you, yeah, I think we did it. I already solved your problem you're welcome
2: good well you know what then I'll see you next month
1: <laughs> <laughs> and beyond the beyond the tour dates do you have other material or recordings that you're gearing up for
2: my my goal my goal at the moment whether it happens or not is to make another record before the end of the year,
1: in some capacity, whatever capacity.
2: Not no, no, make another bash pop record. Oh, I, I got some. We got some songs I've, that it, that didn't make in the last one, and uh, I'm about to get back into the writing mode here for a minute in between stuffs. And um, my yeah, my goal would be to put out another record.
1: Sweet, that's great. That's great to hear. It sounds. Yeah. It's, you're in a good. You're in a good place. You sound
2: good. You sound healthy. Everything's good. I'm as good and healthy and happy as I get.
1: <laughs> That's great. Well, is there a song from uh, Anything Could Happen that we can go out on right now? Is there something you could pick for us, Tommy? Uh,
2: anybody else would be a good one, just off the beaten path. It's, uh, it's one of the songs, like I said, that I, I wrote um, for open mic night just to make myself write something, and it's all in the lyrics. They can hear the whole. It's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> All right. Well, that's
1: that sounds great. This is anybody else by Bash and Pop, uh, Tommy. I, you know, I conveyed this a little bit. This is a genuine thrill and honor to have you on this show and to get to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of your work, so thank you for this time and best of luck with everything.
2: Thank you so much. You have a great weekend.
3: can I'm gonna keep you can't
1: music there by bash and pop that was anybody else from their excellent new record anything could happen which is available now and as i mentioned they're touring all over the place go to tommystinson.com for more information and again special thanks to tommy for being on this show this meant a lot it really did i'm a huge fan and what the hell it was so great to have him on the show i hope you appreciated it as much as i seem to right now Hey, this is the 304th episode of Creative Control with Vish and it would not be possible without our sponsors, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444, or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. Also, The Bookshelf, which is an independently-owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant, located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca, and for the finest coffee anywhere. Try Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. They have three cafes in Guelph, and they also distribute their coffee beans throughout Ontario. For more information, please visit planetbeancoffee.com. This show is available on iTunes. Please go to iTunes and subscribe to the show, download the show, rate the show, review the show, recommend the show to everyone. It really helps if you do that on the iTunes, because more people find out about the show, Creative Control it's also on audioboom.com, and you can learn more about it. Uh, oh, sorry, there's a Patreon page. It's not uh, super successful, but it's very kind of people to help me make the show happen every every week. Patreon.com slash creative control. You can make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. We're also on Facebook, on Twitter, Advish Creative. I'm Advish Khanna. And a version of the show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time via CFRU.ca, around the world, or CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. Uh, All of the information I just conveyed to you is available on my website, vishkana.com. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Goodbye for now.